on our nation's uh, 50th year of independence, I want to talk about aliens and patriots. Um, in case you're wondering, it's not some new computer game. But how did we get to such a sermon title? Well, I was taking my own advice to read the first letter of Peter, Peter in the Bible, following four weeks of suffering, suffering sermons. Um, and that's where I found the word alien. If we turn to the very first verse in First Peter, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen. The NIV, the New International Version, translates this, ver this word um, aliens as exiles. Uh, it is a Greek word, a Greek word, parapidemos, appears only three times in the New Testament and twice in the book of 1 Peter. It means surgeoning in a strange place or living in a strange place or a strange country. The second time it is found in Peter is in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. It says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. And so, since this is National Day, I ask, can aliens or exiles be patriots? You know, I've, I've always thought of myself as, as a patriot or somewhat patriotic. Uh, I never travel on National Days. I'm always in Singapore on National Days because I like to watch the National Day Parade. Even the boring lap, like lap uh, marching contingent uh, part and it used to be I would be invited to the real National Day Parade on the 9th of August. Then soon, I will no longer be invited to that. I'll be invited to the rehearsals. And now I'm invited to Channel 5. <laughs> and, and I watched the Sea Games. Okay, this year was great. I watched the Sea Games. Whenever Singapore is on, when, whenever Singapore is playing, I will watch whatever the games. And that's where I watched my first ever netball game from start to finish. I still don't understand the game. And, and I wrote here, it's a silly game. I'm going to offend a lot of ladies here, but I still don't understand. But it was great just to watch your country playing. The term patriot, like patrimony, comes from a Greek word, pater. Our pater who art in heaven. Our father who art in heaven. It comes from the, from, from the word father. And patriotism means loving and defending the fatherland, the country of birth or residence. And someone once said that patriotism is a species of piety. It's like filial piety, but now we have country piety. What patriotism is not, patriotism is not jingoism, chauvinism, or exceptionalism. One of these. Well, jingoism is that aggressive nationalism that you would find like in Nazi Germany, which annexed one country after another, or Japan coming all the way down to, to Singapore in World War II. And even now, with Russia just walking and annexing Crimea. That's jingoism. Chauvinism, actually, they're all very similar. We all know what male chauvinists are, but chauvinism in a sense of a country would be uh, that you have this biased sense of superiority, that you think 
you are so good as a country or as a nation or as a people that you despise others, that we are Zhongguo, we are the middle country, okay, and we've got 4,000 years of, of history. Otherwise also known as xenophobia, uh, xenophobia, that you despise to the extent that you fear other people who are not like you. Exceptionalism. Ah, this is where you think you are God's gift to mankind. You are exceptional. America is exceptional, so much so that they often call themselves the, the second Zion or the new Israel, the new chosen people. We are exceptional. Like Singapore is exceptional. Like we've got no resources, we've got no land, we don't even have water, but we prosper. We are so good. We are God's gift to mankind. We are exceptional. And if we are not careful, we will even use this term, Antioch of Asia, in the exceptionalism sense, although we are not. It is something that we, we it's a duty, but not so much a, a destination of glory for us. And, and I was reading uh, a book recently, and I saw this quote, this is the Asian century, and Singapore is the capital. Wow! This came from Kishore Mabubani, okay? And it's like this movie, I don't know if any of you have seen this movie called Head of State, where throughout the movie, this, so, this presidential candidate, I think he became president in the end, uh, Chris Rock says, God bless America and no place else. <laughs> but a long time ago, in um, the early 1800s, there was this Navy Commodore in the U.S., and he's famous for this, this, this line. It says, our country, right or wrong. And this guy is uh, Stephen Decatur. He was a decorated uh, Navy general, Commodore, and well-known for many naval victories. And he says, my country, right or wrong. So it doesn't matter. It's my country. Okay, whether I'm right, whether I'm wrong, we are, well, we are right. <laughs> and, you know, if, if that is the definition of patriotism, then even the, the very famous American evangelist called Billy Sunday, uh, he said this in 1917. He says, in the middle of uh, World War I, he says this, Christianity and patriotism are synonymous terms, and hell and traitor are synonymous. So, so we get mixed up between nationalism and, uh, and, and, and what is it? And holiness. G.K. Chesterton, one of these very witty, famous uh, British journalists and thinkers, wrote this. He said, my country, right or wrong, is a thing that no patriot would think of saying. It is like saying, my mother, drunk or sober. But actually, that's true. Huh? Whether your mother is drunk or sober is still your mother. But anyway, uh, he did not agree with this statement. My mother, um, <laughs> my country, right or wrong. And so... Um, it was that this um, Carl Schutz, who was an American uh, minister, he was in the cabinet in the late 1800s, he says, our country, right or wrong? And he added, when right, to be kept right, when wrong, to be put right. Ah, finally, it makes sense. Okay, when right, to be kept right, and when wrong, to be put right. And um, so, 
don't ever do this, okay? Don't ever say, shut up, Singapore is best or better. Or our Hokkien Mee is better than Malaysia's Cha Kway Teow. Or, <laughs> or people from Singapore are the best, okay? That is jingoism, chauvinism, exceptionalism. And, you know, you think about South Africa, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, when he was complaining and when he was fighting against racism, was he a patriot? Obviously he was. Even though the country was heading this way, he says, no, that is wrong. We should head this way. There should not be racism. He was a patriot. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German pastor who was jailed and who eventually got killed by Nazi uh, Germany, was he a patriot? And he was praying that Germany would be defeated in World War II. Was he then a patriot? Yes, because when right, to be kept right, and when wrong, to be put right. And Martin Luther King, when he condemned the United States, his country, as the largest purveyor of violence in the world, way back in 1967, when they were killing and lynching the black people, and when they were killing many people in Vietnam, was he a patriot? Yes, he was a patriot. So, what is the principle? Does, is it so happens that we are living in Singapore and today we have uh, a, a stretch of four holidays? It just happens like that? Why are we here in Singapore? The Bible gives us a reason. In Acts chapter 17 from verse 26, it says, From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that man would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. He determines the exact places. So we are here because God says so. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7, this was at the time when the Israelites were in exile in Babylon. And God told the Israelites this, Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Doesn't that sound a little bit like the Singapore Pledge? you know, to achieve happiness, prosperity, and progress for our nation, right? So God told Jeremiah, seek the peace and prosperity of the city, even though you're in exile there. You know, on my first trip to the USA, I was at the immigration, and I saw two lines. One line was for citizens of the United States. The other line was for aliens. First time I've been called an alien. And I really didn't feel at home there. I did not feel very welcome there because when you step onto the shores of USA, you're called an alien. And you know, we are sensible people. We Singaporeans, we drive on the right side of the road. Americans, on the wrong side of the road. When we order tomato, they give you tomato. You ask for the bill after you have your tomato soup and they give you the check. The check asks you for money rather than give you money. And then you ask, where is the toilet? They show you the bathroom, where you cannot take a bath, which is rubbish, except that it is trash. And so, 
in 1 Peter chapter 1 is when the first alien appears. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 4. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by His blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. We are aliens not because we are rejected like in an immigration line, but because we have been elected, chosen by God to suffer and to bear witness. You know, C.S. Lewis once said, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And therefore, aliens in this world. So we are aliens and patriots who have a living home. God has given us new birth into a living home. We are birthed into this living home to bear witness to living and to hope a living home. Now, I want to tell you the, the real-life story about a guy who looked like an alien. His name is David River. He was an alien, but a patriot awarded a Purple Heart for bravery in battle in, in Vietnam. And, and I actually saw him live in Hong Kong one time. He's horribly disfigured in uh, the face. Well, he was part of uh, uh, an elite special forces uh, in the Navy that uh, operates on search and destroy missions, very dangerous one. And during one nighttime raid, his men were pinned down by enemy fire and he pulled out a phosphorus grenade from his belt. He took, stood up, took off the pin and he was about to throw the grenade when a bullet hit the grenade and the grenade exploded in his face. And there he was lying on a bank of a muddy river and, and, and the book says, his, his, um, his biography says, he watched his face drifted by because it got torn off. And his entire face and shoulder were smothered and they caught on fire because it was phosphorus uh, that has embedded into his body. And when phosphorus comes into contact with oxygen, it spontaneously uh, uh, what it combusts, it bursts into fire. And, and David thought he was going to die, but he didn't. He was pulled from the water by his fellow soldiers. He was flown to Saigon. From Saigon, he was taken to Hawaii for treatment. But that's where his problem began. When he first went into surgery, um, what was to be the first of many, many operations, the surgical team had a major problem because as they cut away the tissue from his face and shoulders uh, that had been burned by the grenade, every time remaining phosphorus was exposed to the high oxygen environment in the operating theatre, it would combust and it would ignite and all the doctors and nurses would run out of the room, leaving him alone. But incredibly, he survived. 
and then he was taken to a ward to rehabilitate. And this is the burns unit where all the terrible burns patients uh, were. And he was one alien among many, or looked like an alien. And there was another man who also was uh, badly wounded and burned in Vietnam. And he looked horrible, lost an arm, lost a leg, face was badly torn and scarred. And that man's wife arrived and <coughs> walked into the room, took a look at that man, threw up, took off a wedding ring, put it by the bedside table and said, I'm sorry, there's no way I can live with you looking like that. And then she walked out. And that man could hardly make any sounds. He wept, he shook for hours, two days later he died. Because for this poor wounded soldier, knowing that his wife saw no value in him, was more terrible than the wounds that he suffered. It just like blew away his last hope that someone somewhere would ever find any worth in him. But for David, it was different. Three days later, David's wife arrived. And after David watched what happened to this man, he, he, was, I tell you, he, he was totally afraid. He dreaded her coming. But his wife was a strong Christian. She took one look at him. She came over. She found one spot where it wasn't bandaged, and she kissed him. And she said, honey, I love you. I will always love you. And I want you to know that whatever it takes, whatever the odds, we can make it together. And so David found strength. His wife had a living hope because she believed in Jesus and in the afterlife. She passed on that living hope to David Rivers. Together, husband and wife, they have a living hope. And it was a hope that they can give a reason for. Because later on, they to preach the gospel. He became a motivational speaker. He became a preacher of the gospel. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And so Dave River had this living hope and he had a reason to give for this hope. But you and I know that, know that for many people in this world, life is sometimes called a hopeless end. But for a follower of Jesus Christ who died and gave his life for us, life is endless hope. He is our living hope, no matter how we look like. There was this um, Vaclav Havel, the Czechoslovakian uh, president who was a poet. He wrote these words after suffering years of oppression and persecution in the days of communism. He says, I am not an optimist because I am not sure that everything ends well. Nor am I a pessimist because I'm not sure that everything ends badly. I just carry hope in my heart. Life without hope is an empty, boring, and useless life. I cannot imagine that I could strive for something if I did not carry hope in me. I am thankful to God for this gift. It is as big a gift as life itself. So living hope is life. It helps us to carry on living. Well, I never learned Latin, but I do know one Latin phrase. And this is auspicium melioris 
IV, the, the motto for RI. Okay, for those of you don't, who don't like RI, I can understand. Okay. It means the hope of a better age. And I believe the principle, the present principle of RI, if you read the newspapers, was right in bringing out the facts of the demographics of RI now to bring the truth to the light. And I believe that is the start point towards a better age, towards an, a non-elitist age. Hope of a better age. So aliens and patriots have a living hope because this life and even this face here is not all there is to life. Okay, If you don't like my face, it's okay. It's not going to be like that forever. There is a hope of a better age, even hope of a better face. So living hope. And secondly, aliens and patriots live as lights. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, the second uh, and only other time this word is mentioned in 1 Peter, it says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. Jesus put it slightly differently. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, He says in the Sermon on the Mount, In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. The word light and righteousness or doing good, doing right, appears together very, very often in Scripture, side by side. Let me point out a few. Psalm 37 verse 6, God will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Isaiah 42 verse 6, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. Isaiah 58 verse 8, then your light will shine or will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Micah chapter 7 verse 9, because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath until he pleads my case and establishes my right. He will bring me out into the light and I will see his righteousness. The last one, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, and there are more. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So light and righteousness are, are very, very often paired up in Scripture. But because we are aliens, there is a limit to patriotism. Right? And as the Blaise Pascal, one of the great Christian philosophers uh, in, in the 17th century, 1600s, he says patriotism may be a good thing, but why should you stop love at the border? Why stop love at the borders of Singapore? Or again, Pascal said this, can anything be stupider, he says, more stupid than a man has a right to kill me because he lives on the other side of the river and his ruler has a quarrel with my ruler? though I have not quarreled with him. So, patriotism has a limit. And true patriots, true patriotism allows citizens to oppose the injustices of the state while at the same time maintaining loyalty to it. 
and the Old Testaments uh, has all the prophets who loved the nation but who spoke fearlessly against the sin and the injustices of the state of Israel. We see it all over Jeremiah, Hosea, and, and elsewhere in the Bible. Jesus loved Jerusalem so much that he wept for it. So Jesus was patriotic, but Jesus spoke against the wrong of the land. So patriotism is not the highest virtue. Righteousness is. And you and I would have, would have come across this verse many, many times in a Christian circle uh, and on National Day. We often use this verse to preach on National Day. Righteousness exalts a nation. Now imagine a foreigner coming to Singapore and he writes this. I sought for the greatness of Singapore in her excellent harbour and airport and industrious people, her education system, but it was not there. I looked for it in her parliament and her GLCs and in her GRCs and even in hawker centres, but it was not there. Not until I went into the churches of Singapore and heard her pulpits flame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. Singapore is great because Singapore is good. And if Singapore ever ceases to be good, Singapore will cease to be great. What have I done? I've just paraphrased what a very famous French writer and political thinker, his name Alexis de Tocqueville, wrote when he visited America in, 19, uh, in 1831. He says, not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits flame with righteousness did I understand the secret of America's genius and power. America is great because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. We're talking about pulpits flaming with righteousness now. Well, that's a very tall order. But can I add a taller order? The pulpits and the pews flame with righteousness. The church of Jesus Christ, we who are the body of Christ, flame with living lights of righteousness. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, we mentioned earlier in the Sermon on the Mount. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, we also mentioned earlier that you are light in the Lord, that your light shine before men, that they see your good deeds, they see your righteousness. And we can shine like E.T. because we are aliens. We may be Singaporeans, but we are aliens. We are not merely pragmatic Singaporeans or, or patriotic Singaporeans as though that were an ultimate virtue because it is not. What ultimately drives us is righteousness. Is it right? Is it righteous? It was Martin Luther King Jr., the great civil rights fighter, who said this. Cowardice asks the question, is it safe? Expediency asks the question, is it politic? Vanity asks the question, is it popular? Then he said, but conscience asks the question, is it right? And there comes a time when we must take a position that is neither safe, nor politic, nor popular, but one must take it because it is right. And so time, sometimes that's all it takes. It just starts with, is it right? And when your spirit 
your Holy Spirit indwells spirit says, it's not right. That's just not right. Racism is not right. And speaking out against racism in the days of Martin Luther King is not safe, it's not politic, it's not popular, but it is right. And he paid with his life for it. Oh, but of course you can say that he was black speaking for black. But what about this guy? His name is Robert Grace, Pastor Robert Grace. He graduated from seminary with his young family and he went to Montgomery, Alabama as a pastor of the Trinity Lutheran Church. He was white at a time of that civil rights unrest in Montgomery. And he writes in this book, uh, A White Preacher's Memoir, about the day-to-day struggle he had with racial hatred, how it affected his congregation, his family, and it talks about how was it like to live out a Christian life in such an environment. They were ostracized by the white community. They were not trusted by the black community. Their car tires were slashed. Their home was bombed three times. But only twice did the bombs go off. The one that did not go off had 11 sticks of dynamite, he says, and a container of TNT. And if that third one had gone off, it would have killed all of them. He said the Lord didn't let that one go off. But he said this statement. He said, once we had made that commitment, then it was easy to keep on going. The first step was making that commitment to live there and to live righteous. And we had to know that God was going to take care of us. Even if we did die, it was all in God's hands. Just, it's got to be right. And they knew it was right. What did they start out with? It's not right. That's not right. And they did something about it. But closer home, closer home, we talked about Dr. Tan Lai Yong just now. And I checked out again the Straits Times article about him um, just last year, 4th of April, 2014. And it talks about him as the wandering saint of Singapore. Okay, for a young man, he's still young. It's a very big title. And it says, after four years studying the downtrodden and marginalized, I'm quoting from, the, from, from Straits Times, Dr. Tan concluded that the real scourge afflicting Singaporeans today is loneliness. Loneliness. Let me quote some more. He said, but what, what troubles him is many teenagers, especially bright boys in top schools who spend their holidays preparing for Olympiads, and they are desperately lonely. And, and Dan Ayong says, I hang out at swimming pools. Singaporean kids who swim there are training for competitions. They don't play. Only the foreign kids come and play. On weekends, he see the fevered brows of kids in glass wall tuition centres while their fathers read newspapers outside. And he said he yearns to tell them, your number one job as father is to help your children build friendships. Your number one job is not to send them to tuition centres. And now I have upset many, many fathers. <laughs> and he said, it's not right. It's not right. If, if this were a Christian newspaper, he might have added Tana Yong, said, our number one job as fathers is to build friendships to Jesus Christ or, or with Jesus Christ, Lord and Saviour. How did something like this start? I think it just starts with, 
is that visceral thing that it's not right. It's not right. It's a, there's a holy dissatisfaction. Okay, today's sermon is kind of like airy fairy all over the place. <laughs> and I was looking hard for some very simple application that we could all walk out of here and just do something right. And, and then, okay, it's, it's a digestible morsel. But I don't have it. I don't have I All I have now is kind of like three or four, I hope, inspiration like Dave River. Okay, with the face blown off and, and all that, and a wife who loves you, and now even though you suffer so much, you turn around and you preach the gospel. You say that God allowed me to suffer like that. An inspiration. Martin Luther King, okay, for all his weaknesses, stood up to me an inspiration. This is not right. And I'm going to do something about it and pay for it with his life. Robert Grace, that white pastor in Montgomery, Alabama, this is not right and I'm doing about something about it. Righteousness. And, and, and Tan Lai Yong, okay, wandering saint. <coughs> there are 300 wandering saints here. Some are wandering out there doing righteousness, some are still wandering like that. <laughs> and each one of us, I believe the Lord will put something in our heart. This is not right. This is not right. But then we say, yeah, you know, not my business. Ah. Not my business. Each one, I believe the Lord will put something in our heart. This is right. <coughs> this is right. And I'm going to do it. Uh, or, I, I, this is my thing to serve in worship ministry. This is my thing to offer a cup of water. That's what Jesus says. You know, offer a cup of water. God will not look away from such. So, I'm quite thirsty now. Don't you all come running to me with 300 cups of water. But you know what I mean, right? That this is right. And you know that this is right. So put your heart and soul into it. Someone once wrote that you are writing a gospel, a chapter each day, by the deeds that you do, by the words that you say. Men read what you're writing, whether faithless or true. Hey, what is the gospel according to you. And so each one of us, a wandering saint, getting out there into this alien world and doing deeds of righteousness for His name's sake. I leave you one very, very simple one, okay? In Leviticus 19 verse 33, when you read such a verse, how does it hit you in the gut? When an alien, okay, you don't forget it, you yourself are an alien, but when an alien lives with you in your land, do not mistreat him. The alien living with you must be treated as one of your native born. Love him as yourself, for you were aliens in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. How does that hit you? And what practical acts of love and good can you do when that hits you? Alright, so let me conclude. As aliens and patriots, we have a living hope. Jesus, the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me, who is going to bring me home, away from this alien world, into my real home, when my life on earth is done. And my life on earth is to live life as an alien. To let 
the light of God so shine before men that they will give glory to my God in heaven. Mark Twain said this shortly before his death. I hope he's here. Yeah. He said, A myriad of men are born, they labor and sweat and struggle, they squabble, they scold and fight. They scramble for little mean advantages over each other. Age creeps upon them. Infirmity follow. Those they love are taken away from them. And the joy of life is turned to aching grief. Death comes at last. And they vanish from a world where they were of no consequence. A world which will lament them for a day and forget them forever. I hope this is not how 300 of you here, wandering saints, will end up. And as aliens in this world, we have no interest in scrambling for little mean advantages. For some, it means tuition, but it's not always. Huh? And, and will we be lamented, okay, for, well, in Singapore, not one day, so it's always three or five, right? <laughs> okay, it's always three or five but then forgotten as though we live our lives here and, and there's, there's no meaning, we, we did no good. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, Matthew 5, 6. We don't live our lives by asking what is right, what is righteous, and by God's help, do something about it. And But sometimes the Lord bring it in the Obverse way, the opposite way. This is not right. If in your spirit you know that this is not right, then by God's grace, do something about it. Because God has placed us here. You remember Acts chapter 17? That He determined the exact time and places. And for now, we are here, patriots in Singapore. He placed us here as aliens, yes. But so that men would seek Him and reach out for Him through us. So how alien and how patriotic are you? In what way are we Singaporeans or in what way are we Jewish or in what way are we, are we Christians? And again, I was reading somewhere, actually it was from, from George Yeo. He said, if we are conquered and dispersed like diaspora or exile, will we continue to live on as an idea? The Jews... The Jews never lost their identity since they were dispersed 2,000 years ago by the Romans and they were on the verge of extinction in, in the Holocaust. But the Jews have this saying, next year in Jerusalem. Right? That keeps them. Next year in Jerusalem. Even though in, in the, from, from Jesus' time until 1948, they did not have a country. It keeps them going. We are Jews next year in Jerusalem. So what about us, aliens? We might have a slightly different saying. Next year in heaven. Hopefully not so soon, but anyway. Next year in heaven. Next time I see you, seriously, the next time I see you, it may be in heaven. But for now, for now, a living hope. Living lights of righteousness. Let your light so shine before men that they will give glory to our Father in heaven. Let's pray together.
Lord, there is a reason why you have placed us here. Of all the nations in the world, placed us here in Singapore, and for now, to enjoy four days of holidays, to see and witness success and peace and prosperity. Lord, you determine the times and the exact places where we should be. You give us a living hope that while it is great now and here, it is not for eternity. There is some place even better. So thank you for this living hope. But Lord, do work in our spirits now, I pray, that you will help us to be living lights of the living hope. That we will light our light so shine before men. When they see our good deeds, they will have to, they have to give glory to the Father in heaven. And so Lord, would you help each one of us now as we continue our alien life here, focused on God, not stirring us, right? Stirring us righteousness where it is not right to be put right where it is right then to put our heart and soul into it and one day we will all meet again in heaven and we can be telling stories of how you bless each one of us and help each one of us to make a difference in Singapore in this world in this we pray in Jesus name Amen